0: It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for the neighbor. Would you be mine? Would you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in the neighborhood with you, so let's make the most of this beautiful day. (laughs) Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be mine? My neighbor, won't you please, please won't you be, please won't you be my neighbor? (laughs) Beat that, sidewalk prophets. (laughs) I know, I can't believe I'm your pastor either. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, this place, and this space to gather together as your people to worship you, to receive the blessings of life and salvation that you have in store for us, for our families, for our future, and Lord, to respond to those gospel blessings with our prayers, our praises, and our offerings. Lord, may your spirit be with us now as we consider your word from the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, as we apply those lessons, that perspective To our lives, relationships, and our outlook today. Lord, come quickly. And Lord, thank you for being with us today. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. (laughs) It's been a mild November and it's December already, even though sometimes it doesn't look like that or feel like it outside. And I don't know about you, but as I drive through town and as I look at my own yard, the leaves are still there. (laughs) Rake and push. And mulch and mow and blow as I might. Leaves still fall down, leaves still congregate in my lawn. And yes, I look across the street to my neighbor who has the lawn service, gets it all swept up and taken away. And I look at my other neighbor who's got a bagger on the end of his mower, gets all sucked up and then put out for yard waste. And yeah, there's a little coveting there, but my yard still leaves. Around town, still leaves. And leaves are going to come up in the Old Testament reading from Isaiah 64 this morning. The burning of leaves, the burning of twigs, the burning of what you and I might call yard waste. More on that a little later. But I had a conversation with my neighbor this week about said leaves and said yards. And he said, Pastor Brad, back in the day, there was a time when we rake up all the leaves in one pile. And then the kids would go and jump in that pile. And celebrate. And then we'd rake them all up again. And then we would burn those leaves. Just like the good Lord intended. (laughs) Even though he really did. And so that got me thinking about leaves and about autumn and about uh, Advent even. And then the scripture lesson. And then I looked up this. I looked some information up. Turns out in the great state of Michigan, the open burning of leaves and grass clippings is illegal within any Michigan community with a population of 7,500 or more. And you say, but wait a minute, Pastor Brad. Frankenmuth. I don't think we're at 7,500. Yeah, with tourists and all, but what's our population? Well, I looked that up too. Currently, Frankenmuth has a population of 5,549 and is currently growing at a rate of 3.37 annually, which means, if my calculations are correct, for the next 10 to 11 years, we'll be able to burn leaves in Frankenmuth unless, There's a local city ordinance, which of course there is. No outdoor burning is allowed in the Frankenmuth city limits or by Frankenmuth township folks within a quarter mile of the corporate city limits. (sighs) You know, it's it's interesting as sermons shape a family of faith in a congregation, so congregation shapes the sermon. I've given the sermon twice already this morning and the folks have responded. And you know what they say? I live in Birch Run Township, and you know what is there? Burn, baby, burn. We can burn up those leaves. And then some Tuscola folks came through the line and said, Pastor, in Tuscola, we can burn leaves. And then they said this, in Tuscola, we can do whatever we want. And I think it's going to be a party in the Heights tonight. Can I get a witness, Tuscola folks? Wow. Wow. And then I thought about Frankenmuth, and I thought about all these incredible things that are happening in Isaiah 64, and I think about God rending open the heavens and the glory of God coming down, and I think about mountains in their majesty quaking and trembling. I think about fires bursting forth and blazing, and I think about water boiling because of the result of the fire, fire doing what it's doing. I think about the heavens running open and the mountains quaking and the fire burning and the water boiling and the glory of God descending. And as the gates of heaven descend upon the gateway arch of Frankenmuth, there's a pause. And then a spokesperson comes out from Frankenmuth and says, in, Lord, welcome. Lord, you're most welcome here, but there's no fire. Can't be burning. And depending on which season you come, the Cass River might not boil. It gets pretty chilly here. Sometimes it even ices over. And you know what, Lord? We don't have mountains, but what we do have is chicken dinner. So you're in for a treat. We're glad you're here. Friends, what all this is leading to is the, is the reception and the reflection on a God who does remarkable things. Not only the past, but also in the present and certainly in the future. And as we look at Isaiah 64, we're going to note the way the Lord comes to his people. Listen to these words from the prophet. Verse three from Isaiah 64. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations and oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no eye has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. A God like you who works for those who wait for him. It's fascinating to see what people have been taught and what people believe about God. Especially when you consider the whole planet and world religions. Currently there's five major world religions, Christianity is one of them. The others are Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, and Judaism. I want to share with you a brief nugget about what these different faith systems believe about God and how they get to God, how they get to what they would consider to be heaven, perhaps. In Hinduism, the goal is to attain moksha. When a Hindu achieves moksha, they are done with the system of reincarnation and living according to karma. In other words, they live their life a certain way and they hope that their good karma outweighs their bad and they enter into a higher caste system in the next life. And they hope in that life that their good karma outweighs their bad and then they enter a higher plane of existence, a higher caste system in the next life. And they keep doing this until they're reincarnated one time and boom, moksha. No more caste system, no more striving to be good and to be better. In Islam, we remember their mantra, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And Islam directs humankind to purify their souls and reform their daily lives in order to establish the supremacy of right over might, and of virtue over vice. Known as the middle path, the goal of Islam is to produce a moral person in the service of a just society, which is interesting to hear with your ears when you hear and see with your eyes what happens as a result of some of those folks who um, are very strict adherents to Islam. Buddhism. The goal of Buddhism is to become enlightened and to reach nirvana through the elimination of all desire, all greed, all hatred, and all ignorance. Nirvana signifies the end of a cycle of birth and rebirth. The Jewish people live with the expectation of this Messianic age, the coming of a messianic age in which universal peace will be established by the anointed one who comes to earth according to the visions and of the prophets of Israel. Obviously, we know this anointed one as Jesus the Christ who's already come. Some of the Jewish folks are still looking for their Messiah to come and to save them and to reestablish them as a people. So according to world religions... Most other faiths, most other systems of belief. Good works are necessary to attain positive karma. Moral tyranny is necessary to serve a seemingly just society. The denial of self is necessary to gain a positive aura. And obedience to law is necessary to satisfy a righteous and holy God. What we see time and time again in every other major religious system in the world is this. You work... You deny yourself, you meditate, and you obey. And then you start it all over again. And you'll never know if it's enough to appease God, to please him, or to attain a higher level of being, entrance into heaven, as it were. There's no grace, no forgiveness, no pathway other than human striving. But here's the problem, folks. If it's up to human striving, we're all in big trouble. Because strive and try as we might, we will never be able to do it well enough, perfect enough, good enough to please a holy and just God. Isaiah 64 has some words about this, verses 5 through 7. But you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. Not a very pleasant picture of humanity's chances to be good enough or to do good enough on our own. Our strivings will still be insignificant. It will never be enough. The prophet also says, our good deeds are even like filthy rags. Rags that would be disposed of and done away with. Friends, thanks be to God for a different message from our good and gracious God. Yes, he's holy and just, But yes, he's also full of mercy and abounding in steadfast love for his people. And only in the Christian worldview does God come down from heaven, take on human form and sacrifice himself in order to provide forgiveness for our sins and bring us to himself in heaven, promising to be our God forever. Isaiah 64, verse 8, affirms this. And yet, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. You see, the difference between Christianity and other world religions is that this holy and perfect God desires to be with his people. Can't imagine a heaven, an eternal existence without them. And so he does something about it, he sends his son. To become human and yet live a perfect life. To sacrifice himself on a cross, taking the payment and penalty for our sins. And then rising again victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And it's because of this sacrifice, it's because of this resurrection of the Son of God, the promised Savior, the Messiah, the anointed one, that we have forgiveness and freedom and that we can be gathered together as God's people when Christ returns. By the way, according to the gospel reading, when is Christ returning? We don't know. Could be soon. Could be a long time from now. The disciples thought that Christ was going to return in their lifetime. And that was 2,000 years ago. Jesus says, watch, be ready, and wait. We don't like to watch, be ready, and wait. We like to have it now. We like to do it now. We like to experience it now. And yet, God has given us his grace and mercy that abiding in him, we can watch and wait and be ready. And that's what Advent is all about. This month of December, this time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, where we anticipate the celebration of Christmas and the gathering of friends and family and special food and drinks and the opening of gifts, But more than that, we remember the birth of Jesus Christ who came to earth in order to save his people from their sins. And not only that, but this Advent season, we not only look forward to Christmas and the celebrating of the birth of Christ, we look forward to the second coming of Christ when Christ returns from the right hand of God the Father, when Christ returns from going ahead of us to prepare a place for us, when Christ returns and brings us home to be with him in a place where he will be our God and we will be his people, in a place free from sin, free from sorrow, free from suffering, free from all the selfishness, free from all of our shortcomings, free from all that separates us from full communion with him and and full relationships with one another, forgiven and free in the presence of our Lord forever. Friends, that's something worth waiting for. That's something worth watching for. That's something worth remembering. And friends, the Christian system, our Christian worldview, our biblical worldview is the only path that shows us it's not about your striving or my striving, but it's about God coming down to be with us and giving us his son as that sacrifice, that substitute, that savior. In his devotional book, God Came Near, author and pastor Max Lucado wrote, It all happened in a moment, a most remarkable moment. God came near. He came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that held him were not manicured or moisturized, but calloused and dirty. No silk, no celebration, no ivory, no hype, no hoopla. No parting. God had come near for you. So friends, this December, this Advent season, this time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the next time you drive by a yard and see leaves congregating, the next time you see leaves gathering in your yard and then you look across at your neighbor's perfectly manicured yard, the next time you see someone burning leaves in Tuscola and you covet their lifestyle of recklessness and hedonism there, The next time you see a mountainscape in a Facebook post or you see it on a National Geographic channel and you can't wait to visit there or consider our national parks. The next time you boil a pot of water to make macaroni and cheese for your children because that's the only meal that they'll eat. The next time you encounter mountains and fire and boiling water and the majesty of God consider what God has done in the past. Consider how he still shows up in the present and then look for God to come again in the future and watch and wait and wonder because this is a God like no other. A God who actually goes to work for those who wait for him. Friends, let's continue to wait for him. And all God's people said, amen.